Welcome to the SBC History Podcast. We cover the people, places, and events of the history of the Southern Baptist Convention. We shine light on the past to guide us in the present. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm good, Luke. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm recovering from Dallas, I think, and uh, and yeah, trying good. to get get back in the swing of things. Yeah, me too. I, it was a good time. I, my family came, and uh, my uh, wife and four kids were with me. And uh, although my wife and four kids didn't come to the convention, Right. They chose to stay at a water park and Legoland and things of that nature, but they had a great time. Uh, but I did too. I had a good time. Get to hang out with you and uh, other uh, Oklahoma pastors, as well as uh, many other uh, folks from uh, other places. I was trying to tell people it's a two-day business meeting, and that's that's exciting, though. I I like it. I yeah. love the new motions. I wish we could have had more time for some of those things, but and less commercials, but. That's another podcast. So yeah, I think that you and Doctor Bart Barber would get along well. Um, I thought of you when he was standing at the microphone. Uh, for those of you that know what went on, uh, he uh, stood at the microphone and spoke at the point of personal privilege. But one of the things that he said is he loves church polity. Yeah, he loves business meetings, and he said we have my church has monthly business meetings. Why? Because I want to have monthly business meetings. <laughs> and I thought I don't like to have monthly business meetings, and you probably don't like to have monthly business meetings. But it is kind of cool to see all that procedure play out, or it is cool to see yeah. all that procedure play out, right? That might have been history. That might have been the first time a pastor said that. So <laughs> we, uh, it probably was. Yeah, <laughs> probably was. So. I there's a couple other points of history before we get into it here. Uh, when J.D. Greer was announced, he was wearing Jordans on stage, so I'm pretty yeah. sure that's that's the first time of history. Jeans uh, Bar- and Air Jordans, man. Jeans yeah. and Air Jordans. So I'm thinking a licensing agreement with Nike and the SBC, maybe like the Footprints poem, but with swooshes in the <laughs> footprints, you know? Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, also, Church Curmudgeon was mentioned in the yeah. uh, uh, in the uh, convention, right from the floor. That maybe, yeah, that's true. And, and I think Curmudgeon tweeted out actually yeah. uh, a recognition of that, right? So I wonder if in a hundred years they'll read this in history and be like, "What were they talking about? What was Twitter?" Yeah, yeah. yeah who knows? I don't know. So I I walked around the meeting and I enjoyed seeing all the diversity. There was people from all over the country, large towns, small towns, big churches, small churches. Rural, urban, black, white, Asian, more, everybody in between. It was great to see so many different faces represented. And I like this, Chris. It wasn't just represented on the floor, but it was people on the stage and making motions, people praying and preaching and everything. There was just lots of diversity everywhere. Yeah, it was great to see. I I really, uh, I felt like um, this year and and, and in years past, this is just my second convention, but but this year uh, uh, this seemed to be, a greater emphasis, and I don't want to say emphasis, that's a, that's such a buzzword, but there did seem to be um, a, an awareness, maybe is the right word, I don't know, um, where <clears throat> we saw a much more diverse crowd, which is um, reflects our convention. We saw this year uh, at our convention, previous to the annual meeting, um, we had uh, um, uh, five uh, African-American men, uh, or was it four, who preached at the pastor's conference, uh, yeah. president of the pastor's conference is also African-American. Um, and, and so he's the, uh, there, there was, there was a sense of, um, contribution for certain, um, and not just for, not just for, uh, token sake. It was actually, uh, a, a sincere thing. So, yeah, that was really good to see because historically, uh, 
African Americans have made great contributions to Baptist life, right? And that's some of what we wanted to talk about today. And then some about how African Americans came to be a part of the SBC, especially after the Civil War and the Civil Rights Movement. Chris, tell me about some of those men who made contributions to Baptist life, even before the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, George Lyle, who uh, many acknowledge as the first overseas missionary from the United States, 1782, African-American. Lot Carey organized the African-American missions in the 1800s. So uh, the Southern Baptist Convention started off diverse, but, you know, unfortunately, that was only because of uh, the slaves that were owned. Uh, of uh, yeah. by church members in Southern Baptist churches, right? As many as uh, statistics tell us, as many as in history says, as many as one in three Southern Baptist church members were African American in the early days. So um, there is a rich history of African Americans being members. The problem was they weren't necessarily right. um, privileged members. Right. That's in, that's a uh, that's an incredibly high amount. One in three. An article from Baptist Press, uh, David Roach writes, uh, some churches' black membership dwarfed that of whites. Uh, Baylor University historians Thomas Kidd and Barry Hankins wrote in um, Baptists in America. They cited examples, First Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia, First Baptist Church Montgomery, Alabama, and First Baptist Church Natchez, Mississippi. But that number decreased rapidly after emancipation. Yeah. Now, by 1900, there were uh, virtually no black Southern Baptists. Um, today, though, uh, about one in five Southern Baptist churches is predominantly non-Anglo, including some 3,400 predominantly African-American congregations. So yeah. we're making a swing, I think, back in the right direction. So from the uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s, when there were hardly any uh, African-Americans, black Southern Baptist churches, now we're seeing more uh, diversity, and not just with African-American congregations, uh, other ethnicities as well, but specifically African-American congregations is what this podcast today, the topic of. So now when African-Americans left the SBC, they did form their own state conventions and national conventions, such as who is meeting this week in Oklahoma City, the National Baptist Convention. Yeah, I was really hoping to get up there. I don't know if I'm able to, but when we think of Baptists in America— we have to only think of their group that we're affiliated with. We yep. think Baptists, we think Southern Baptists, because that's what we are. But there's more Baptists than that in America, right? right. There's, uh, you know, if you go deep down into Texas, where my wife's family's from, there's lots of uh, missionary Baptists. There's American Baptists. There's mm-hmm. Northern Baptists. There's the uh, National Baptist Convention, like you said. And and for our purposes today, there's kind of this dual track the Southern Baptist Convention, the National Baptist Convention in the South. And people on both sides were working to uh, kind of try to bring them together, but it, was, it, it wasn't easy, right? Right, yeah. It's, it's been said elsewhere that the black church only existed because the white church existed, mm. right? Because there were churches that wouldn't let them in, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, the Southern Baptist Convention has a terrible history regarding racism um, and racist churches, racial churches. Um, I don't want to make light of that anymore. Yeah, in fact, just last week at the convention, they announced they, the executive committee kicked out a church because right. of their racist practices. That's right, yeah. And, 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 and in no way do we want to make light of that, right? Um, uh, that, that it has a 
deep-rooted issue. Uh, it's a deep-rooted issue. Um, and, and really, let's just call it for what it is, man. It is sinful behavior that has happened in the churches and continues to happen in churches today. But there were people, though, along the way um, who stood up for the truth of, the, of Scripture and uh, stood up for equality of every person as the uh, image bearer of God, right? They, they having the uh, Imago Dei. And I, I think that's something that we need to remember as well. We must remember the, the good, but we have to remember the bad as well. Yeah. And for much of the 20th century, the SBC kind of reflected the culture at large. There was segregation and there was Jim Crow laws, and, and most Southern Baptists did little to stop it. Right. Uh, it's probably safe to say the majority of SBC members and leaders were at least complicit in racism, and others let out in it freely. But there was a man named Dr. T.B. Maston who was vocally against it. As early as 1927, he was challenging the racial prejudices of the South. He used the biblical premise that God is no respecter of persons, and he urged Southern Baptists to accept all races as equal. His his book, he has uh, The Bible and Race. He takes on eight different passages from the Bible and considers kind of the impact those passages have on our understanding of race. I've got that book on my shelf. You can still find it out there if you go look for it. T.B., Dr. T.B. Maston. He dispels in his book way back then such heretical views as the curse of Ham. We we had a uh, resolution about that this year. We did. We we did. It was the first one we've ever had about it. Isn't that crazy that that's still being taught? uh, Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Sorry. Go ahead. So while others were, were teaching that, he was speaking out against it. He was a professor at Southwestern and he wrote lots of books that touched on the subject of race, but the Bible and race was his most influential book. Yeah. You know, uh, Oklahoma plays a part, since we are Okies, right, plays a part in uh, um, part of history in the Southern Baptist Convention. 1949, uh, this is something that you uh, told me about. I was not um, aware of this until a few months ago we started talking about it. E.W. Perry, a pastor in Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City was the first African American to address the Southern Baptist Convention at its annual meeting. Uh, Perry was a, a giant in the history of the National Baptist Convention, and again, that convention met in Oklahoma City in 1949. And Perry was a pastor of the historic Tabernacle Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, and he served there. Get this, from 1915 to 1969. Now that, my friend, is a tenure that's that amazing. is hard to beat, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Now, at the time of his ed- his address, right when he spoke. He was serving as the president of the National Baptist Convention. And he was at the time, which was a huge thing, called a brother in Christ by the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, R.G. Lee. Again, in 1949, that was a massive, massive comment made. Yeah. So they there began to be a movement of, of African-American churches coming back into the SBC and Again, in that article, David Roach shares some about that. He says the SBC kind of remained all white until 1951, and there were two black churches, one in California and another in Alaska. boy, Alaska. Way to go. Yep. They were brought into the Southern Baptist Associations and then began cooperating with the SBC. The Redwood Empire Baptist Association, California, received Community Baptist Church, even though the then executive director of the California Southern Baptist Convention urged them not to. And wow. uh, the community Baptist was only received the associational moderator, 
uh, Norris Fulfer was his name, broke a 37-37 tie vote. They said he received they said he received death threats and re- received all sorts of things from people, but they did it right. That's what's important. Hmm. And in Alaska, it was a lot smoother. They just came in through and they uh, received without a dissenting vote. They began cooperating with the SBC. Man, that's that's awesome. Well, the uh, the Home Mission Board, uh, as it was called then, right, um, made some concerted efforts to uh, to reach out to Black Baptists in America, um, and 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 really, in all honesty, like their their efforts really went a long way towards um, helping to repair uh, or begin repairing race relations in the yeah. SBC. Yeah. Uh, Sid Smith, uh, being a great example of that, began his work among Southern Baptists in 1968. He was the uh, South Central Los Angeles Director of Christian Social Ministries for the Southern Baptist Home Mission Board. Now, that is a title, right, which is now known, right, as NAM. Um, In 1979, he began an 11-year tenure with the Southern Baptist Sunday School Board, also now known as Lifeway. Uh, But other SBC leaders worked to promote a biblical view of race as well. Um, Henley Barnett, who invited Martin Luther King Jr. to preach at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in 1961. Uh, Foy Valentine uh, was at the, at the Christian Life Commission, which is now the ERLC, right? Right. Worked to give uh, the SBC a biblical understanding of race, often too much pushback from members and churches So uh, yeah. in the yeah. SBC, right? And as time passed, was an SBC individual and in, in, in entities continued to buck against racism in the SBC, although there were many, uh, one famous pastor, First Baptist Dallas, calling yes. out Dr. Chriswell, 1957, yeah. right? Wasn't it 1957, Luke? Uh, uh, 56, I think. <clears throat> I believe 57. Yeah. Uh, wrote um, an article in, uh, um, or, or made a statement, I guess, and it was covered in an article in the uh, Dallas paper, that uh, um, blacks and whites should not be in churches together, that it was... Um, it was biblical, right, for whites to have their own church and blacks to have their own church. So there were a multitude yeah. of in, in, in godly men that that people really looked to in history, um, and and you know as as great orators, but also uh, theologians and pastors, um, heroes. That man, they they honestly were wrong on this issue. Yeah, he. He kind of uh, famously changed his mind a decade or so later, and good for him, man. Good for him. There's lots of stuff written about that, but while that was going on, there were uh, other people making efforts to break the race barrier, and some of the earliest things occurred at the seminaries mm. at at Southern in Louisville. They began teaching black students on his campus in 1942. They called it the Negro Extension Department. They received instruction from professors and, ga- and graduate students. They had to meet in vacant faculty offices or sometimes in hallways, I've read, because Kentucky law prohibited educational institutions from teaching white and black students as pupils in the same room. There's a law against it. And so they would just, sometimes I've read they would meet in the door, in the hallway with the door open or something like that, just trying to get around that law. So in uh, 1944, Garland Offit earned the uh, number of credits necessary for the Master of Theology degree, um, and the faculty granted him that degree, making him the first black graduate of any Southern Baptist seminary. Um, and during the mid-40s, Southern began allowing black students to sit in classrooms 
with white students, which is totally in violation of state law. Um, and again, I imagine at that time there were a multitude of pastors that were, um, let's just say, incorrectly um, yeah. using uh, in, in, incorrectly interpreting Romans thirteen. Right? They were probably saying, "But we're supposed to obey the laws of the land." That's just what the Bible says. Uh, right. When in right. reality, man, that's terrible interpretation of that. Right. Still is today. Anyways, moving on. The seminary, though, officially admitted black students in nineteen fifty one. Now. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but that seems to be um, before um, uh, most high schools and colleges were integrated. Isn't that correct? Yeah, Brown versus Board of Education was yep. 54, yeah. I think. And Yeah, Duke McCall was the president then. He said, we decided to ignore the law. We thought we had moral ground and probably the legal ground as well to ignore it. Praise God for that. Yeah, that's think about that as— we just heard a government official talking about Romans 13 and taking it way out of context. But mm-hmm. uh, as we've been thinking about mm-hmm. that, there's a time when Southern Baptists didn't have any problem with ignoring unjust laws, right? Uh, a theology professor, Wayne Ward, recalled an incident when a police officer came uh, to his class to issue a warning about violating that law. And when the officer showed some hesitation to enter the class, Ward told him, get this, God would punish him if he arrested anyone. How, That's wild. how awesome is that? Way to go, man. I'm not really They'll sure about the, the theological implications of that, but I like it. You got to do what you got to do. I do too, right? I like it. Yeah, that's right. You do what you got to do. That's right. So yep. while that's going on at Southern, uh, other things, similar things are taking place at Southwestern. They enrolled black students in 1942. Other seminaries integrated long before required by law. Uh, I've read day, uh, in 1968, Golden Gate Baptist, uh, now Gateway, said they claimed they had more black students than any other seminary on the West Coast, and they claimed they had more foreign students than all other West Coast sem- seminaries combined. But so there's like good things going on, but it's not all, it's not all good news though. Southern Baptists kind of remain Mm -hmm. bitterly divided on how to approach the issue of racial reconciliation. There's still racism abounded in the SBC. It was the official or unofficial policy of many churches to deny membership to African-Americans. Foy Valentine the Christian Life Commission wanted to put an end to that practice. And so 1964, at the annual meeting in Atlantic City, right, uh, they they mm. put forward a resolution that recommended the SBC approve an open-door policy for churches, regardless of race, and that the SBC pledged to support laws designed to guarantee the legal rights of African Americans. They urged Southern Baptists mm. to give themselves to the de- decisive defeat of racism. And so they bring this resolution up, and the resolution was defeated. It was a close vote for whatever that's worth. But in response, there was a 90-year-old retired pastor. Now, this is 1964, and this man is 90 years old, so that means he was born just shortly after Mm -hmm. the end of the Civil War, which is wild. And uh, he he put forward a resolution. It was sent to committee, and and nothing came of it, but it called— for forced integration of schools, uh, unbiblical, and it only got more racist after that. Uh, but at the same meeting, the SBC refused to be a part of a joint committee of various national Baptist groups, in part because they didn't want to join hands with black churches. Yeah, you know, that's hard, man. 
there are many prominent Southern Baptist pastors who still supported segregation. Uh, right. W.A. Criswell, like we said before, uh, one of the most famous. He did, though, change his mind um, uh, later, you know, after making such heinous statements in the 50s. And he was elected president in 1968, which was the year that the SBC passed a pretty progressive resolution on racial problems in the U.S. And, and it said it, it confessed a share of responsibility for the failure to create conditions in which justice, order, and righteousness can prevail. It urged members to work for equality in education, employment, and housing, and pledged to open the door of church membership to every person irrespective of race or class. Now, there are other ways that the SBC was trying to uh, integrate. Okay, In 65, the Home Mission Board and the Christian Life Commission sponsored Race Relations Sunday across the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, Baptist Press reported that some said, praise the Lord, but others regarded it as evil when the SBC observed its first Race Relations Sunday, showing that there was still great tension among churches over the issue in 1965. That was 65, and later that year, Baptist Press reported that 13 of the 29 state conventions with the SBC either adopted resolutions on race relations, accepted African-American churches into the convention, or commended the CLC, the Christian Life Commission, for its leadership in in that area. Uh, other SBC entities are doing work. We're doing work in that area as well. Uh, at the Sunday School Board, now Lifeway, uh, the the leader then, James Sullivan, he worked hard to bring about racial equality. In 1953, he integrated the cafeteria at the Sunday School Board. It was the first integrated company cafeteria in Nashville. Hmm. That, was, that was a big deal. And yeah, huge, huge. In 67, the Sunday School Board helped organize a group of businesses to promote job equality for women and minorities in Nashville. Uh, in in an article from Baptist Press, Sullivan stated that since 1953, the board has made no distinction in its salary structure by between men or women, Caucasian or non-Caucasian, that fringe benefits and other matters have been the same, that their plate, that employees were paid the same regardless of of sex or ethnic background. Mm. This is 1967. Yeah, that's big. And uh, James Sullivan, if you don't know about him, you should go uh, read in uh, the story of Lifeway. A Lifeway mm. Legacy is a book that Jimmy Draper put together. It tells a lot about that work that he did. Mm. And mm. so through the years, there's people trying to work these things together. The SBC passed resolutions against individual and systemic forms of racism. Uh, in 1978 and 1989, they had the famous 1995 resolution where the SBC apologized for its role in perpetuating slavery. In 1993, Richard Land, uh, director of the Christian Life Commission, the ERLC, called for white Christians to initiate racial reconciliation. And, and the SBC has continued to try to speak for that. And we've passed mm-hmm. resolutions on it in 96 and 2009. Uh, uh, they voiced joy at our nation's pride in in electing uh, uh, Barack Obama as president. Uh, yeah, that's good. In 2007, they spoke against the Dred Scott decision. In 2015, they urged SBC churches to increase racial and ethnic diversity. In 2016, they had the resolution against the Confederate flag. And mm-hmm. 
and uh, against the alt right, against the alt right last year. It's yeah. a it's a continuing thing, and and some people might think, why are we still passing resolutions on this? Because just this year we had to kick out a church of the Southern Baptist yeah. Convention, That's right? A, a disfellowship, it's called, because of their racist practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's necessary, you know. Um, but I think one of the things that we we need to remember and look and and see is this great rich history, right? of black Baptists in America, uh, both within and uh, without or outside of the Southern Baptist Convention. And there's this great history uh, that we should celebrate of uh, black Baptists who have poured into um, uh, uh, church, the churches uh, that we know today, right? Uh, S.M. Lockridge, E.W. Perry, Martin Luther King, right? E.C. Morris was born a slave. He was self-educated, and, and after founding the Arkansas Baptist College, was the first president of the National Baptist Convention. He founded an Arkansas Baptist College. Well, it was yeah. a huge thing, right? Um, and there's just so, so much history, way, way more than we get into this episode. Now, we've gone further and or longer than we normally do, right? Um, yeah. But this is, a, I mean, this is a big issue. Obviously, it's a big issue on my heart as well, um, and something I think that we as, as, as uh, white evangelical Southern Baptist Christians, we're going to call it all we want, uh, need to remember so that we can, because we don't know where our brothers and sisters have been because we've never faced some of those things. Um, And so we need to be brought to our mind. I I got a great book, uh, a resource um, on the topic is uh, Black Baptist History uh, by Leroy Fitz. Uh, It covers all these things and more. uh, And it's specifically about the Black Baptist Church. There's also a, a, a Black... Baptists in Oklahoma. Uh, so if you want to know some history about, uh, if you're an Okie and you're listening to this, right, um, there's a good resource there. Uh, and, and I think we all as Christians, pastors, Southern Baptist leaders would be better off um, if we read more about this, this history, right? Yeah. And, and, and more than that, like, look, it's, it's like, it's, it's all our history, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's so much history. There's more than we can get into in the future. I hope to get someone on to talk with us about uh, the history of the National Baptist Convention specifically and and learn some more about that because I think, uh, just like we say in our tagline, we shine light on the past to help guide us in the present. Yeah, man, that's when, awesome. When we learn about all these things that go on, we're a lot better off for it. And there's, we're blessed that there's lots of ways to learn about those things. A great a resource um, to look through these things is the archives of some of the seminaries. You can learn Mm -hmm. about these things through the Southern Baptist historical library and archives. If you go to the archives at Southern, which they're online, the Boyce archives, you can read Garland Ophitt's dissertation Mm. and, and just, you know, we just, uh, b- benefit when we read from others and learn from those things. And yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Like you said, we went a little bit longer than normal, but uh, uh, this is an important topic and mm-hmm. one we'll probably come back to as time goes on because, yeah. like we said, it's one that keeps coming up. Yeah. In in our convention. So yeah. Yeah. Make sure and uh, follow us online. Give us a review on yeah. on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and uh, say nice things. And yeah, that's so, right. We'll even listen. If you go out and write a review, a good review, I will triple Luke's salary for what he gets paid to do sweet. this podcast. How about that? That's you have great. it on record. We'll triple it. That's great. I won't. I you won't. Multiply zero times. You multiply three times zero. It's still zero, right? Right. 
just want to just make sure. I'm not good at the new math, but I just want to make sure I got it right. Okay. So, all right. We'll see you next time.